What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 52 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and I'm not alone this time. I actually have Ash <laughs> freaking Paulson here with me uh, for the podcast once again this week. I missed you, man. Where you been? <laughs> freaking is actually my legal middle name, I'll have you know. Oh, Ash okay. freaking Paulson. Yeah, right? Um, no, I always you knew know, your dad I'm was a... awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm, um, I'm okay. Unfortunately, I am sick. I have a cold, so um, if you hear me being less energetic and, and speaking less than usual, that's why. I just kind of generally feel like crap right now, so uh, <laughs> that's what's going on right now. Yeah, that's, uh, that's it always sucks. Being sick is never fun. And Yeah, yeah. well, the writing is on the wall. Like, like My wife was sick earlier, and she works with kids all day because she's a school psychologist, so... She, you know, she's around kids all day, and kids are often sick, so she brings, you know, she brought something back, and now I have it. Fortunately, it hasn't hit me too hard. I've always been pretty lucky. Like, my immune system's pretty decent, so I'd, I very rarely get super, super sick. And so right now, even though I don't feel great, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I can work and get up and do stuff. I'm not, like, bedridden. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like crap. Exactly. It's one of those bits where you just don't yeah. feel great, but you're not, like, laid up and all that and that's that's usually how i get it. like I'll, i won't get full or right. sick i'll just feel like crap for a few days and, and get over it thankfully although so. in some ways that's worse because then you don't you know you can't use the excuse that you're sick and not work like you're, I know. you're still well enough that you can work so it's like <laughs> well i still feel like crap but i can't just stay in bed so mm. uh my mother always had the policy are you throwing up no go to <laughs> go to school <laughs> nice nice so that's how it's always been for me uh, nice. Yeah, that's, that was the only way I got off school is if I was throwing up. So if, if I was yeah. feeling particularly bad, I was like, come on, let's say it can happen, even though I hate throwing up. It's awful. Oh, that's isn't it the worst? I, oh, like, it's I mean, I don't think anyone likes throwing up, but like that really is just – I always I, – I actively dread it. Like if I ever mm-hmm. have a hangover or something and I know that the only way I'm going to feel better is by vomiting, I will like I, – I know that I'll do it, but I'll put it off even if I feel like crap because I mm. hate it that much. Yeah. It's just such a horrible process. Oh, it really is. And it was like I hadn't experienced it for years. And then I got that food poisoning a couple months right. back. And then it was just constant. And it was just like, oh, it's just awful, awful, yeah. awful stuff. And I, 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 I can't deal with it. And I can't, you know, if I, I'll feel a little queasy myself if I hear somebody else, especially see somebody else doing it. It's just like, no, <laughs> gotta leave, yeah. gotta leave. <laughs> yeah. It's not fun. So. Well, this is a great way to kick off episode 52, talking about vomiting. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> exactly. This, is, you know, this <laughs> podcast will make you sick. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Um, so last week, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I realized that you did it alone, and I feel so bad. I, uh, <laughs> it was one of those things where I had a trip with friends planned to go uh, to Vegas, mm-hmm. and it was just one of those things where I guess, you know, I was further ahead in the month than I realized. My sense of time, like in the month, was all off. So I was like, "Oh, that trip's not ha- happening for like a couple more, you know, two, three more weeks." Nope. Like suddenly, my friend texts me. He's like, "Hey, man, you excited about Vegas this weekend?" And I'm like, "Oh crap! <laughs> oh crap! It's this weekend, and I've got all this stuff going on. Not let alone the podcast." So. Yeah, you know, when when we were in an Air, Airbnb with like six people, and you know that when you're in a living situation with that many people on quote unquote vacation. It's just not good. I couldn't get any quiet time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I understand that. And I was. Yeah. It was one of those things where you know we'd missed out before. Andre wasn't available. You, uh, you know, of course, were in Vegas, and <laughs> yeah. not even really enjoying your vacation because you were still working like crazy. Like you cranked out both the fast RMX <laughs> and the shovel, and I like the written and uh, audio uh, portions of those. 
yeah. while you're on vacation technically so well yeah basically my yeah my friends on thursday they that was like the first whole day we were all there and they're like you know you're here in vegas screw work you know you're on vacation screw it and i'm like no guys like not only do i have both of these reviews to get up for switch launch titles and the switch has already been out I have all, you know, I've got Udon stuff, I've got others, you know, it's like I'm really, I'm juggling my, I can't talk about it in too much detail, but I recently got hired for a new kind of thing that I'm doing, and I'm juggling all this stuff, and I'm like, no, I told you guys that if I'm going to come on this trip, you have to not pressure me into, like, shirking my work, like, mm-hmm. you just got to give me this day, at Thursday and Friday, to get work done, and then I can, you know, at night, I can chill, I can party, whatever, weekend, I can party, but you just, you gotta let me work, because I have to get this stuff done. <laughs> yeah, it's hard for some people, some friends to realize, like, what exactly they have to do, because it's it's not like regular work, You can't, since right. you're not off for the weekend, I mean, you don't have all this free time, it's like, no, when you can get work done, you need to get that work done, and people really don't realize that, because, you know, I've been on my vacations, and all of a sudden, stuff will pop up, and like, oh, crap, I gotta get this taken care of, Yeah, and, you know, I'll have all my stuff, and it, it sucks, because you want to go off and shirk your work, and not do all that stuff, but... Yeah, you know, it makes it seem like you're a stick in the mud, and you just, you know, you're putting work before everything, but it's really not that, it's just... A lot of people who don't work from home don't understand what it's like to work from home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have their office hours. They they have their 9 to 5. They go in for 8 hours, whatever, they're done. And then they're on vacation, and that's fine. But when you work from home, it's a little – there's less delineation between the, <laughs> between work and play. That's for sure. So it, it kind of it, – it sucks. But hopefully yeah. you still enjoyed your Vegas trip. No, ultimately we had a great time. Like I said, I, I was focused during the day. And then so at night we were able to go out and, you know, have a few drinks, party, do whatever. And – uh and actually, uh, one of those nights involved actually um, some of us staying in and me showing everyone snipper clips because I brought my Switch with me. I, I figured, well, I'm driving to Vegas. I'm going to be there for a few days. This would be a great test, you know, test pilot for my Switch just to, you know, take it with me and, and kind of set it up in, a, in another apartment and take it with me when I'm out walking around. And I had a great time. So. Uh, yeah, I actually turned uh, on a lot of my friends to snipper clips. Nice over the weekend. That's actually yeah. really awesome, and, and we'll actually we'll probably have kind of a discussion about that later. Uh, and right, you know, for those of you who aren't patron patrons, it will probably be already up, so we can already look for look forward to that. Or hope you've already enjoyed it. So it's weird time right. travel stuff like that. <laughs> it is. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, it, it's it's great that you're able to do that. And I, you know. Did the podcast on my own? I'll tell you what, the hardest thing about the, doing the podcast on my own was getting started. Like, because I was uh-huh. like trying to get that flow and have that natural, like, working off somebody. And I can't just, like, ah, good enough. And you can pick up the slack and keep going. It's like, no, I got to get this right and then go into the next one. And, like, it took me forever to get it started. But once I had the flow, I was in pretty good shape. But it was like, by the end of it, my, right. my voice was getting shredded because, you know, talking for a consistent oh, hour. Of course. <laughs> well, and, and uh, I know, didn't she try to reach out to a couple of guests and they were also I didn't actually, busy? I didn't actually try to re- reach out to any guests uh, oh, okay. just because uh, it was so, so last minute. It was already, I think it was Saturday or sometime. And I oh, okay. and I delayed the uh, my stream. I was actually going to finally start Xenoblade Chronicles and I was waiting for to see if you would actually be able to record the podcast since I I know, you know, you were waiting to see if it's actually going to be quiet, and when it became yeah. apparent that it was not, um, I uh, was like, "Well, it's too last minute. I don't want to try to wrangle people. I'm just doing it now." And, yeah, sure. And, and getting it done um, because I needed to get the Xenoblade Chronicles, and I did want to start streaming that soon because that's going to be a long game to get through. Oh. 
Xenoblade Chronicles, super short game. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. That you, you can knock that out in eight hours. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it, it's going to be... It's, it's already interesting looking at the chat when I'm playing Xenoblade Chronicles because some are like... You know, explore everything, check all this out, do this, do this, and others are like, come on, get to the next story bit, you know, screw all the rest of that. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm playing as if I would be playing normally. Like, it's like, disregarding the fact that I'm streaming, I want to just treat this as if this is my own normal playthrough. And that might turn off a few people, but this is blind for me. I've, I've played up to these parts before, but I, it's... Like I showed it during the stream. The last time I played Xenoblade Chronicles was what uh, was back in 2012. <laughs> so right, well, yeah, and and that's really a game that you should not have spoiled for you if you can help it, or at mm. least you should play it on your own terms because it's it's a pretty special experience. One thing I love about that game is that it's it's not necessarily open world, and and you still have this the joy of discovery and the joy of exploration because exploring these wide open areas is so fun you can find all these cool things off the beaten path but there are ultimately boundaries so you're not necessarily it's not open world there are limits to where you can go so it's not super overwhelming mm. it's actually really funny playing Xenoblade Chronicles at the same time as Breath of the Wild <laughs> yeah I bet it is especially since you know we've talked before how we're not that into open world games but damn if Zelda didn't find a way to really draw me in uh, yeah, and I I gotta say I I'm impressed by that aspect because you know I've like I said I, I don't really finish open world games but I love this sense of constant discovery, constant things to do, constant objectives or stuff like that that I can do because there are so many collectibles and shrines to find and just oh, yeah. random things to uh, figure out and do and it, it just keeps me invested. Like I've I I don't know how many hours I've played so far. I've I haven't really checked any of that, but in the I've played enough that I have, I believe, fifty-six shrines. I think somewhere around okay. there, a uh, hundred and two uh, Korok seeds. So I'm one ninth of the way there. <laughs> and, and nice, okay, and um, and only two uh, divine beasts completed. So I'm only right. technically halfway through the game. <laughs> well, that is way more impressive than what I've got because I I have now I think I've got about forty shrines, no divine beasts uh, done oh or conquered God. or anything. I haven't even met Impa as we were talking about last night. So basically, what happened is I I basically veered off from the story even before meeting Impa just to go and try to activate various towers. I figured whatever, you know. I, I initially when I finished the plateau, I'm like I'm I picked a mountain. I'm like, I'm going to try to get over there. That looks really Mm. cool. And what I picked was the Gerudo Highlands. So I eventually got over there. It was really cool. And then I was like, you know, I found a few shrines along the way. It's hard enough to survive. I'd like to get some more heart containers. I'll just go around and activate the towers and find shrines along the way. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing that slowly and steadily until you told me yesterday that like, no, you know what? That's cool that you're doing that, but at least put that on hold until you talk to Impa or at least get more Sheikah Slate powers. Mm -hmm. So I was going to make inroads toward that last night, and I fully admit this is my own problem, but I cannot get away from Blaster Master Zero. <laughs> that game has got me. That game has got me in its thrall, and I cannot stop playing it. And I figured, okay, you know what? Blaster Master Zero is a pretty short game, obviously, compared to Zelda. Yeah. Let's just finish that, knock it out. I'm going to enjoy it. That way I won't feel like I'm being pulled between both games. And then once I finish that, I can focus wholly <laughs> on Breath of the Wild. And I'm probably the only person who would say that about like an 8-bit retro revival but i'm just <laughs> yeah. like you know what i gotta see this game through and then i can go back to zelda the funny thing is blaster master zero is quite good and i've played only through the it first is. two um 
zones. I forget the, the uh-huh. actual terms, terms, but the uh, first two zones of the game, and I've really enjoyed it. And I want to go back to it. Same with you know Shovel Knight and finally experience, experiencing uh, uh, Plague Knight and uh, uh, Spectre uh, Knight's campaigns and doing all that. But Zelda has me in its grips. <laughs> and it's really funny because Andre will make these suggestions like, oh, could you make a video on this aspect of Zelda? I'm like, all right, but I, that means I have to put my playthrough on hold and make sure to do that or make sure I got to a certain yeah. point. And I, I kind of like I didn't get a chance to play it all yesterday because I was working on uh, the video that went up today, actually, was which is how to make your way through the Lost Woods. And right. uh, I have a, a couple other things coming in the ideas in the pipeline and stuff like that but it's just like i want to go do this stuff but i have this other like i have work to do and it's like ah come on just let me go i just want to like i so wish i could just dedicate hours to just sitting in that in my comfy chair and just exploring and i kind of get that like i'll i've spent quite more than a few nights staying up till like two three in the morning just playing this game because that's when my time is free <laughs> oh no i hear i mean that's really when most of my time is free too and i i get it i mean i, I feel like i'm also i've got kind of a i don't know i feel like other people have gotten a head start on me anyway because most of my playtime with my switch right after i got it was focused naturally on fast rmx and shovel knight because or specter of torment because i needed to do the reviews mm-hmm. so from the get-go I wasn't necessarily just playing the hell out of Zelda like a lot of new Switch owners were, because I really had to, like, okay, as much as I want to play Zelda, I really got to focus on these two games. Not that you'd ever have to really ask me too hard to focus on Shovel Knight. <laughs> That's pretty easy for me. But, um, so, you know, I if you look at my game clock, I think it says I've been playing Fast RMX for 20 hours or more, and then Shovel Knight for, like, 25 hours or more. And then Zelda is like another 25 hours or more. But that's, you know, <laughs> across one game, whereas the other were two games. So yeah. I really have spent half the, the amount of time playing Zelda mm. so far. Yeah, I, I my first game I really played on the Switch was Super Bomberman R, same as you, right. because of that review. But once that was finished, like, there's more I can play. Like, I could try to unlock the characters and the extra stages and all that. And I like the game, but... Zelda's calling, and I'm sorry, I gotta play that first. Like, especially yeah. since uh, the other idea is like, I wanna go in and uh, keep the freshness as much as possible. Cause I've heard, you know, fortunately I haven't had any major spoilers for anything, but there's been little things like people just naturally talk about. And I know, I'm like, me too. I haven't experienced that yet. And it, it's, yeah. it kind of sucks because it draws away from that moment, but there's still you know, cool things. The funny thing is, is I kept hearing about uh, this certain shrine, how tricky it is for people. And all I'll say for those of you who are wondering what shrine I'm talking about is the, <laughs> the Constellation Shrine. Uh, oh, I've heard about this. Yes. I haven't gotten there yet, but I've heard about I, it. I finally found it and uh, the other the other night and experienced it. And the, funny, the thing was, is I heard two versions. Either this shrine is ridiculously hard <laughs> Or it's only hard if you overthink it. So I kept that in mind, uh, that second piece of advice, and just sort of sat there, looked, 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 and I realized that's how you do it. And, of, uh-huh. and it turns out I was I, – it took me it took me like two tries about the two different ideas, but I was like, wait, no, that's how it works. And it's actually – that. all I'll say is that second piece of advice, don't overthink it. 
Well, and, and I know he won't mind if I if I out him here because we know we love he knows we love him. But apparently Rogers base was one of the uh, people who really overthought it in the, in the lead up to all the, like the review embargo, uh-huh. because Andre was telling me how Roger is having so much trouble with his constellation shrine <laughs> and was just explaining it to me. And it sounds like Roger is one of the people who just really overthought it and and came later to find out that it wasn't as difficult as it seemed. That's the funny um, thing, because it's, yeah. it's one of those things when you if you don't realize that at first and you like you can totally overthink this and uh-huh. i might have even fallen into the same trap i don't know because again i don't have that fresh experience because i yeah. was warned ahead of time not even by anybody else just people giving their own experiences right well and and i have had that happen too on a, on a couple of shrines i don't think i've encountered as any as difficult as that potentially but i've definitely been stumped a few times and the, I think I've had to look up a solution twice, and I and I found out in both cases that the half solution that I had kind of got come to on my own had nothing to do with like the quote unquote official solution, but it still worked. And I, that's what I love about this game is that there really is very rarely one correct answer to any situation. Like that, you can like I think one shrine I had to get this um, ball that didn't work. Like it was like a ball that did not work with magnesis, so I guess it wasn't metallic in nature. I had to get it over this gate and into one of the little circular you know grooves that makes it activate something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do I get it over there? And I tried to bomb it and everything I could. Nothing was working. And uh, I eventually there was water, so I used cryonis to give myself just a, enough of a height boost so I could just throw the ball over the gate. And then I was like, okay, cool. I felt really good about myself figuring this out. I looked up. Then, then I got stumped again. I looked up how to beat the shrine in, in its entirety. Nowhere in that strategy <laughs> does it does it mention Cryonis. But I'm like, whoa, that completely worked up to that point. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's really cool. Actually, there's only one time, because I've been very uh, adamant in not looking up uh, shrine solutions, because uh, uh-huh. I, I, I want to have that the sense of discovery and figuring out what it, how to do it and all that stuff. Totally. Uh, there's only, but there's, I made one exception and that's because I, I solved the shrine. I got to the, um, the, the monk and could end it, but there was an extra chest just beyond that monk. <laughs> oh yeah. And it was using the same concept. It was just harder. And I was trying and trying and I was getting to the point because basically what you had to do was, use stasis on one of those balls and knock it over into one of those holes oh right getting it far enough and if you get it too hard it'll go past it if you hit it too light of course it won't reach it and there's stuff in the way and i keep doing it and if i i had it down where i could get it in the right direction with one of those double-handed uh swords because they kept giving you sledgehammers they gave you a sledgehammer mm-hmm. before the one and they gave you uh the, the first one to get through to the uh the, the monk and then it gave you another one to get through to uh, get this last chest. And so I'm using it. It's like, dang, five is too little. Six is too much. What am I doing wrong? (laughs) Am I just like, do I need to bank it off something? Because there's objects in the way this time around. It's like, what is going on? So I finally Mm -hmm. did look it up and see other people frustrated with this. And it turns out that sledgehammer is a trap. And you had to, oh, interesting. You want to use a one-handed weapon uh, to hit it multiple awesome. like uh, multiple times because each one of those hits is basically a half hit. Makes sense. And as soon as I did it, two tries in that method, and I made it over. And I only gave up once my like it gave me two sledgehammers in there. I broke both trying to get it to work. So oh, I, I yeah, was dedicated. Nice. And once I broke both, I'm like, well, I'm not going through eating through my. Uh, actual good weapons so let's see what I have right. to do and 
sure enough, within two tries, I got it right and got it. I got the chest. I forget what was actually in it, but it's it's one of those things like oh you so and so's for having uh, that just that like purposely tricksy. <laughs> Oh, and it, I mean, it was probably something that you had to go into your inventory and make room for anyway, because almost every time I open one of those shrine tre- shrine chests, it's like a cool weapon, mm-hmm. but I already have too many melee weapons, so I have to, like, throw away something. <laughs> yeah, although I am seeing the benefits of rods now, especially uh, oh, element, yeah. especially when you're fighting other elements, uh, especially sure. because, you know, ice rod against the fire whiz robe, and it's dead in a hit. And that's, oh, interesting. That's good to know. Okay, I think I've only I've only found one fire rod so far, so far, and I haven't even seen uh, a korok leaf yet. So, and I'm sure all that is because I haven't been following the story even at all. Really, well, you should so, you should find a korok leaf on your own. They like they're yeah, that's true. You think so, but I haven't. Like I've come across all these rafts. I'm like, what do I? How do I use these? I've never even seen a korok leaf, and I'm like, what do I? I don't <laughs> understand. So, of course, your video, your recent video, uh, has been super helpful to me because now I know that I can just guide it using a metallic object. Yeah, that's so weird but, uh, because either yeah. Crocs leaves fall from trees that you cut down or they'll typically have one somewhere around you know the, what uh, I haven't been cutting down trees so that could be uh, wrong. Okay. I, I don't even bother cutting down trees at least I haven't yet I'm sure I'll need to eventually but I've been getting all the wood I need just from various stables and things like that mm. <laughs> um, I, I haven't really found a need actually to cut down any trees yet. I've, so. I've found a few needs here and there. Okay, that works. Out, okay, but yeah. that probably is why. Then I'm sure that's why I haven't seen one. Eh, maybe, but yeah, you'll you'll, yeah. you'll come across it eventually. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, it, it's 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 been interesting. It's been fun. I'm trying to think what else I've done this past week beyond Zelda, but no, it's it's pretty much been all Zelda. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, for me, it's just been work and occasional Blaster Master Zero and. Um, yeah, I really haven't had a chance to play. I play a little fast RMX, but like, yeah, it's it's really just been me working on Zelda and Blaster Master Zero as I have time. Mm-hmm. But I have only turned on my PS4 recently to watch like YouTube or Hulu. Of course, I'll go back to various PS4 things once I'm done with Zelda. But mm-hmm. right now, it's all about the Switch. Yeah, I actually that did remind me. Um, I saw that uh, mystery the uh, a collection of twenty different episodes from Mystery Science Theater three thousand is on Netflix now. And, oh, interesting. And I've never watched that show. I've heard people talk about it for years. And how mm-hmm. a lot of like uh, internet reviewers uh, back in the day when they were super popular cited Mystery Science Theater as a big influencer on them. And I'm, I was so yeah. curious about why that was. And I I watched the first one. And the funny thing is because they're covering movies and making fun of movies uh, like these old bad movies throughout the entire thing. It's an hour and a half long episode. Oh yeah, no, I know. So, but I was watching. It's like, oh my god, these guys actually are like really funny. I've only watched one. The first episode was uh, Manos: The Hands of Fate, which is like oh, the I've heard of infamous that. episode of these. And I thought I'd watch yes. it because they have the new they they got uh, a new season got crowdfunded by the original guys, and they have a new cast with oh, cool. uh, Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt and uh, whatnot. So it's kind of cool that they they're bringing it back and. So it's sort of like it's a month away, and this is the lead up to that by having the oh, old episodes cool. on there. So, you know, I don't know how often I'll get to watch it, but it's not one of those things I could easily put on in the background and do other stuff with. So, sure, I'm, sure. I'm looking forward to going through those, but because that first episode really impressed me, there is some, yeah, there is like the funniest thing about that. It wasn't even them; was the movie itself. There are two characters in that movie that only exist to make out. 
four <laughs> times they come back to these these kids that are these teenagers that are making out and th- twice it has uh cops stopping them to basically say hey go make out somewhere else they get off the this this property and the funny thing is it's framed almost as, as the exact same scene like almost word for word dialogue yeah except one's during the day and the other is at night and it's so bizarre uh, that reminds me of my own favorite terrible movie, which is called The Room, which I'm sure oh, some, yeah. uh, some of you I've listening heard have heard one. of. And you should absolutely watch it, Derek, when you get a chance. And probably try to watch it with friends if you can, because it's just, it's unreal. But it does remind me of something in that movie where, like, two of the major sex scenes are, mm-hmm. like, the second major sex scene is almost entirely recut. It's, like, 85% recut from the first sex scene. So, like... <laughs> They're, they're they're just spaced enough apart where like a first time viewer wouldn't realize they're essentially watching the same sex scene twice with like a few new cuts in there. But it's really there is nothing like that movie is insane. Like <laughs> so, you, you definitely go watch it. If that you can. that is right. You love bad movies. Like <laughs> oh I adore bad. Oh movies. see Mystery Science Theater is right up your alley. Then you would I know, love I've heard, this show. Yeah. So if you find time, watch it. Like even if it's just in the background because it's just. These these guys riffing like a guy and his two robots riffing a movie the entire time, and then they'll have skits in between, like to like for commercial breaks and stuff like that. And, right. Uh, it's just oh, it was it was it was fun. So I'm looking forward to watching more and just seeing what other crazy bad movies pop up. <laughs> well, it sounds like I it sounds like I also just need to watch Monos: The Hands of Fate. Period. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, <laughs> while they talk, it's not like they're talking over the whole movie. Like you could you get the. The movie oh, experience. you can watch like you can still watch the movie. I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's not like they're talking constantly. You can hear okay, the dialogue. Gotcha. You're not going to hit. Of course, you're not going to get the full experience, but they're there to. I think. I think I can live without them. having the full monos. Ex- the hands of fate. Exactly. Experience. Imagine riffing <laughs> yeah. like being with just having automatic friends there with you riffing on stuff. Because, sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like watching it. I would make my own comments as they were doing their stuff. Like I'm watching. It's like they're making out again. Really. <laughs> It's like it that's is just, awesome, just ridiculous, and one of the funniest fight scenes I've ever seen at the very end or towards the end. It was just oh my god, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to the news from this week. It was actually to me a lot more news than last week. I had a hard time finding subjects to talk about, but this week we're in pretty yeah. good shape. So, uh, First up is uh, something from today, which is Nintendo is planning to double the production of the Switch. That's good news. Yeah. That means that uh, they need the fact that they even need to is good news because mm-hmm. they were they were already going a little easy on it because they didn't want to um, have a lot of stuff in you know saturate where, the market exactly, and have unsold exactly yeah. have warehouses full of the stuff like they had with the Wii U and uh, they. Uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, they were initially planning to produce 8 million units, but now that number is closer to 16 million. And uh, the craziest thing about this when I did the, when I did this update uh, today was if they actually ship all 16 million of that thought, and this this is for the next fiscal year, so from uh, April of 2017 to March 2018. If they right. sell through that many, it will have already outsold the Wii U's 13 million units sold total. Right. So if they can actually sell all those and sell through all those, then... I mean, I've been saying for a while that the Switch was already tracking better than the Wii U even mm-hmm. prior to launch. And that seems to be bearing out now. And it seems to be doing slightly better than the Wii even. So Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I 
I, I think it's obviously too soon to call it a success yet for mm-hmm. Nintendo, but it. I mean, I think it is. It is absolutely the case that it's clear Nintendo has learned from their mistakes with the Wii U, and that the Switch is already tracking to do better in general. Even even if it doesn't become like a multi-million dollar success story, which I still think it very well could, it's already going to, to make to leave less more of a mark than the <laughs> Wii U did, and. I think just be better for Nintendo than the Wii U was in general. Oh, absolutely. And it, it you really it's hard to think like you, you look at 13 million it's like, "Oh, that sounds pretty decent. 13 million units sold. That's more than I can imagine or anything like that." Yeah. But then you think about the Switch eclipsing that potentially within a year and I'm like, "Holy crap, Wii U didn't sell well at all." Like it just gives that sense no. of just how bad it was. No, no, the Wii U, I mean, yeah, like 13 million does sound like a lot when you don't have any context next to it, but when you compare that to other platforms and, and you know, how a, a, how a general successful platform sells, you see very quickly that 13 million is not that great. Mm-hmm. And which is why it <laughs> totally makes sense to have yeah. uh, Zelda on Switch as well, because... Oh, no, it totally does. Yeah. And, I mean, look, if Nintendo can keep that software stream going, I mean, you know, we already have Mario Kart coming, Splatoon coming... Uh, Mario coming later this year, potentially Smash is getting announced at some point. You know, if they can keep that steady software stream going, we might be we might be looking at a at, I don't know a really successful system. I sure hope so. Mm-hmm. And I've actually really liked how Nintendo has maybe they don't have anything from themselves or other like major third parties or anything, but the, anything like that. But the indies have really come to support, and they've actually been very smart about how each week they have a pretty cool new indie coming out so the first week of course we had fast, fast rmx and shovel knight and that, uh, right. last week it was blaster master zero and this week it's all the 2d boy stuff like little inferno and uh, world of good right. and stuff like that and you know it's old stuff but it's still on a system and i i think that makes what that's what makes it such a great indie machine yeah, well, I also think it's important, too, that I think Nintendo has specifically uh, said that they are limiting the number of Wii U ports uh, for indie studios within the first six months of the Switch's release, which I think is smart because, you know, yes, it's really cool they got Little Inferno, World of Goo, and uh, Human Resource Machine this week, but they are all were available on Wii U. So it it they're I don't know they are less interesting as Switch games in my opinion I think I'm glad they're available mm-hmm. but I also think it's good that Nintendo isn't just focusing on getting Switch ports of Wii U indie games out there as fast as possible because they really should be spacing those out with brand new games which they have been doing so far so I think it's good that they're kind of mixing the Wii U ports with brand new stuff yeah absolutely so well, we'll see how it continues to go but I I like the idea that Nintendo might have another hit on their hands and. The Switch will be uh, continuing to do well in the future. So, you know, fingers crossed yeah. there. <laughs> so, uh, our next uh, news topic actually is very fascinating to me. And that's that Switch digital, ga- digital games actually earns you more point, more My Nintendo Gold points than physical versions. Yeah, which I guess that that's Nintendo's way of trying to kind of prod people toward the eShop and buying digital over physical, which I, I guess is what they want. I don't know. I guess Nintendo, or I guess, I don't know, publishers in general might want people to go toward digital just to save on manufacturing costs in the future. If, if, if mm-hmm. I guess the publisher mentality is if we can get the public into digital all you know all in then we don't have to ship as many physical copies anymore and that's less overhead for us yeah and don't you know don't have to worry about used sales from like uh right whatever uh gamestop or whatever um i i I get that but it also 
like as it just seems like why are you also punishing the physical gamers? Right. Now, well, and not only that. Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say not. I mean, it's punishment in the sense that you're losing out on gold points, but it's also like I, I also tend not to care in the grand well, scheme yeah, right that's now. What was, <laughs> that was my next. Point. Yeah, exactly. My Nintendo sucks. <laughs> so. Exactly. I mean, is it really a punishment if you're losing if you're missing out on more my Nintendo points? Like, honestly everything about that program is just ass. Like, I just don't... I do not like my Nintendo. Mm -hmm. Club Nintendo was unilaterally so much better. And now they're releasing paid rewards like phone wallpapers. Mm -hmm. Guess what? I can load up Safari on my phone, Google image search anything I want, and find a free wallpaper. Like, what are they (laughs) thinking with this? Why would you pay for a wallpaper? I have... It's so ridiculous. No clue. It is... (laughs) I, I, I honestly thought like there was potential with this system when they were talking about before, but the implementation Me too. has just been yeah. dull or underinteresting or just a waste of time in the grand scheme. I mean, look, you can't even get the one thing in Fire Emblem Heroes that you would really want to spend those points on. Like, look, if they can't offer any cool physical rewards anymore, fine. I get that. Shipping costs are a lot. Cool. At least let me blow all my points on orbs in Fire Emblem Heroes. Seriously. But no, I can't even do that. <laughs> Seriously. Like, why? It's so dumb. Like, you can buy everything else except for orbs, and I, that's totally what I would spend my, my Nintendo points on. Yeah, I, I mean, no I'm still actively one. playing that game, and I actually really enjoy it, and I would be happy to spend my Nintendo points <laughs> on orbs, just because, whatever, I'm not going to spend them on anything better. Yeah, not at the moment. Yeah. It's actually really... Not at the moment, at least, It's yeah. actually really funny to me that you're still playing Fire Emblem Heroes, because I am not. And I, think, I, I had I, a feeling. And I think I know why. It's because your pools okay. have been better. You're actually getting five oh, stars totally. in character and cool characters. I have yeah. gotten one five star this entire time, and the, like multiple That's pools, crazy. I've gotten either all three stars or all uh, characters I've already had, or a combination of both. I 100 percent admit I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why this is, but and that s- game has been so kind to me even just over the weekend i was i was casual like the people i went to vegas with they're playing as well so we all just casually saved some orbs over the you know weeks before that and uh so we could all pull together in vegas and even in vegas i got a five-star lin and a five-star setsuna yeah i hate you out of nowhere i'm like <laughs> what and i wasn't even i, I don't even want or I, th- those are the two colors i don't need i already have takumi and lucina i don't need red and and colorless uh mm. five-star units anymore but they're still giving them to me and before that i had gotten some mm. Uh, blue tome I don't even know but then I got I got a four star Nino and I promoted her to five stars because I had enough hero feathers and that she's supposed to be top tier mm. like that game has been so kind to me and I don't even know why I'm still working off a three star Nino because I'm waiting for 20,000 so I can try to get yeah. that but the thing is I stopped caring because it took so long to get the 20,000 feathers and I just did I just like no no, I, no, I don't blame you. I mean, honestly, the game is a lot less fun if you're working with crappier units. Like, that's mm-hmm. just the straight truth. And I've been lucky enough that I got to work with two five-stars and two four-stars from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes it even harder because now I go into the arena duels and I can't do the higher-level stuff. Even though I have characters that are, like, level 35, not full mm-hmm. 40 yet because, hey, it's kind of hard to earn those experience points when everybody's kicking your ass. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I, I cannot compete. And I, that frustration is just like... Like, I have 35 orbs now because of the latest thing, and I was going into it to check the latest updates, and I'm like, no, I'm I'm, uh-huh. done. I'm done. I just, like, I might, maybe I'll pull again, but I got, I got Zelda now. I got, I got Zelda now. I got Fire Emblem Echoes coming in a few months. 
screw you heroes. And it's also, it's also like just shows me how much better a normal Fire Emblem game is because, you know, because I've been streaming uh, Path of Path of Radiance. So right. it's just well, you know, it's it's just your typical gotcha game. It's exactly. going to be better for people who get luckier and worse for people who don't. And I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, to put things in perspective, I found it to be a great time waster. Like when I don't have both hands free and I, but I'm out and about and I just, you know, I can't play my 3DS or my Switch. So I'll have one hand free. And I found it to be a great time waster. And just to put things in perspective, before I went to Vegas, I had saved up about 150 orbs. Mm -hmm. So I I definitely have been amassing the orbs. And and I haven't spent a cent, mind you. Mm -hmm. I I don't plan to spend money on this game. I haven't even thought about it, and I I haven't. But I have to, I don't know, I I don't play a lot of gacha games, so I, I can't say this for certain. But from what I understand, gacha games are usually a lot more stingy with the with their hands out with their handouts mm-hmm. and i gotta hand it to nintendo they just give it all away like they're giving us orbs just like hand over fist they're giving us hero feathers they're giving us dueling swords like mm-hmm. if you just pay attention to the quest you can get so many extra orbs for free and it's like surprising to me and that's nice but again the randomized element is what screws sure. me over and uh, I totally the fact you. that hero feathers should not be twenty thousand. <laughs> Ten thousand yeah, yeah. is what it should be. No, I totally that that's a fair uh, criticism. I totally agree. So we got completely yeah. off topic here. It's just making me that's mad. True. So let's move on to the next. All one. right. Uh, well, speaking of Zelda, someone has actually found all nine hundred Korok seeds in Breath of the Wild. Because of course someone did. Because this is, this is the internet. Yeah, it's it's not that yeah. surprising. Uh, it's kind of crazy though the stats behind this because apparently to go from 899 to 900 was mm-hmm. two hours. I believe it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, as much exploration as I've been doing, I think I've, I've gotten about 40 Korok seeds now. I can't even imagine mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, getting all 900. It's insane. And the thing is. So here's the really funny thing, and you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, I, most people seem to know what the reward is because I think most people expect like, I'm never going to get all this myself, so yeah. screw it. I'm going to uh, just get the, uh, you know, see what the reward is. Um, yeah. But you know, I do. Thankfully, there's the fact that you're constantly expanding your, um, yeah, your spaces, inventory. In- inventory spaces for your weapons, shields, and bows. Up to that point, because the actual reward, um, <laughs> it, it's pretty. It's something else. It's pretty crap, which is actually a yeah. literal definition of it too. That's like the best pun because it is. It's it's called Hestu's gift, and it looks like a golden pile of crap. <laughs> Just yeah. uh, rolled up. and Which, I mean, yeah. The description just says, a gift of friendship given to you by Hestu. It smells pretty bad. So it has no use whatsoever. Right. And Well, and that totally, you know, Nintendo kind of has like a thing for this. Like, I mean, even back in Ocarina of Time, like it, it was one of my just most, I don't know. Like, I'll never forget how disappointed I was when I got all 100 gold, gold Skulltulas in uh, Ocarina of Time. And I was like, okay, what crazy cool reward am I going to get? And it's just a damn endless gold rupee. Like, nobody wants that. By that point in the game, you've already bought everything there is to buy in the game anyway. Exactly. So, like, you know, I, so I, I kind of expected, even before you know this person did this, I kind of had a feeling that if there was a reward for getting all 900 seeds, mm-hmm. that it would be something like this. Yeah, I mean, I would have preferred, like, some cool piece of clothing or something like that. Like, sure. My, my best guess would be, wouldn't it be cool if he had, like, the, I don't know, the Kukiri outfit from Ocarina of Time? Or, I guess that's it's kind yeah. of like the, the green tunic and whatnot, but, I don't know, something something to that effect, just... 
something like that or or some like throwback you know like 8-bit throwback weapon or just something kind of cool like that or uh, yeah I, I know what you mean i mean even i was looking at a video before and andre had said he didn't even know you could do this which is crazy that people are still finding things that other people haven't heard of mm -hmm. but there is a whole side quest line that you can pursue where you can unlock uh, Dark Link clothes, basically. So you can you can make Link look like Dark Link, mm -hmm. and uh, you know it, it's not it has nothing to do with the story. It's it's purely cosmetic. But that seems like something that would have been a really cool reward for getting all nine hundred. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Like that would be something that's I mean, really cool. It's, it's God, cosmetic. It's thank exclusive. God, you don't have to go through all that to get the Dark Link outfit. Because uh, yeah. You know, I, didn't really know that either, but um, it, it was, it, it's one of those things with just so many side quests. I'm still finding side quests to do. It's ridiculous how much there is. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I, the thing is, as much as I'd love to find track down all 900 to have that completionist bit, it's like, eh, I've actually expanded mine no. quite a bit with that 100. And they do get pretty expensive. Like, I need 35 Korok seeds to increase my weapon slot again. So it, the, the expense definitely gets up there over time. Um, oh, I bet. But uh, it's it's one of those things like, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Unless I start seeing some of that stuff, and I'll, I'll keep looking for Korok seeds as I go. But unless I find yeah. a guide that like it shows me everywhere on the map, I'm, I'm probably not going to go for it myself. <laughs> no, you know what's funny is that I, I uh, all the forty I found so far, I still have not met Hestu even once. I don't know who, what he looks like. <laughs> I don't even know where he is. Uh -huh. I don't know where to find him. So I have all these seeds burning a hole in my in my inventory, so to speak. So I can, I just want to find this guy so I can get more inventory slots. <laughs> but I have these seeds, uh -huh. and I don't, I can't do anything with them. Uh -huh. That's why I keep. So I got to find him. That's first. why I yeah. keep telling you to go to Impa. <laughs> that's why. I'm, that's what I'm. That's another reason. That's my next goal. Like I, I actually am. Once I'm able to get get out of Blaster Master Zero's gravity well, I'm going to just yeah. boot up Zelda, warp to Hateno Village, and just go toward where Impa is. Mm. And just not even think about it. Just I, Honestly, I would recommend, uh, personally, uh, have you found the stable uh, in that area? Uh, yeah, I believe so, yeah. Uh, not the Hateno Village uh, area, but the area where close like to Like the where, Eastern Plains stable? Yeah, j just beyond where the dueling peaks are. I believe I did find that, okay. yeah. Go there and follow the path. <laughs> that's, oh, okay, okay. That's a better idea. Uh, All right, I'll do because, that. Because that's is the crazy thing to me is that you got the Hateno before uh, <laughs> Kakariko. I know. Um, the, 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 the funny thing to me is like I love how you can go anywhere, but I really recommend people to go to Kakariko first and then yeah. – And then explore. Yeah, finish off that – sort of quest line until it's like says okay now just do these divine beasts then you I go see. for it that, that that makes sense that's to me when you're like okay now go wherever wherever you want uh yeah. sort of thing but it is i wonder what it is still cool that you like went completely opposite direction it just sucks that you can't cash stuff in like the croc seeds yeah <laughs> i wonder what happens i'm sure people have already tried this but i wonder what happens if you try to approach the divine beast before getting the quests to you know go in and liberate them. I'm not sure, but I'm, I assume that they'd like walk you through it and just have probably like yeah. That. I, I can't imagine yeah. that being a limiter uh, for you. It's it's it really yeah. is just meant to be a guide, like because you know, Impel will say these are the exact spots you need to go to. You know, <laughs> right, right, gotcha. That's really all it is. Uh, yeah, but anyway, uh, so. Good luck if you decide to go after all 900 Korok seeds and get those uh, item enhancements <laughs> yes. and enjoy your pretty crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
All right, our next bit of news is uh, actually from Capcom, where we found out what the guys who did the Mega Man, the Mega Man Legacy Collection, are working on next, and it's the Disney Afternoon Collection, and. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> like I saw this, I freaked out because one of my one of my big gaming memories as a kid is the Disney Afternoon games. I had yeah. the original Duck. I actually still have. I still have the original Ducktales and um, Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers and Darkwing Duck. And I have Tailspin, but for the Genesis, not the Nintendo and the okay. NES. So I've never played that version. And I've always been kind of curious about what. Rescue Rangers 2 and DuckTales 2 are all were, were, were like. So I'm actually really excited for these games. And, you know, they have all the uh, the typical stuff that they did, like, with Boss Rush and like they did with the Legacy Collection as well. So I kind of right. feel like how you did with Mega Man with this. <laughs> no, no, and I mean, I'm pretty hyped for this too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I have, similarly, I have a lot of lovely memories of playing DuckTales and Chippendale and Darkwing Duck on the NES. Like you, I didn't get a chance to play DuckTales 2 or Chippendale 2, and I barely even have seen the NES version of Tailspin. For whatever reason, Tailspin was one of those shows I just didn't get into as much, Mm -hmm. so I just didn't pay attention to the game as much. But um, yeah, I love these games, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this collection of course i'm slight and i did call it by the way we I, i'm not sure if it was, we were talking about it but really mm. we were wondering if it was going to be another Mega Man collection and i just had a feeling that it wasn't so i'm both happy and sad that i was right about that at least <laughs> i called it but on the other hand it would have been nice to have an x collection but i would not be surprised if that still happened down the line oh yeah the the only other problem i have and i hate port begging because it just makes you sound like a fanboy, but these specifically are games that I associate with Nintendo. Because they were on and NES. <laughs> because they were on NES, exactly. And I I just really, these are, the, I don't know, this is the kind of collection that I would want to get on Switch. So mm. I, apparently that can happen. This isn't this isn't Digital Eclipse's fault. They've um, People have tweeted at Frank Cifaldi and Digital Eclipse, and he said, hey, it can happen. Just let Capcom know you want it. So if you're listening to this and you also want Disney Afternoon Collection on the Switch, Tweet at Capcom about it, but be nice. Like, be nice, be civil. Don't, you know, just use nice language. You know, you're not going to be heard if you tweet at them all angrily and raging and stuff. So, apparently, it can happen. We just need to let Capcom know that we want it. Yeah, that'd be nice, because uh, it, it is super odd not to have these, because that, that's the thing. These games didn't even appear on the virtual console, because who knows what kind of right. legality stuff is going on with all the, with these Disney games and whatnot. Yeah. So, who knows, but it's still, like, it might not be on Switch, but I'll definitely pick it up on PS4. Uh, yeah, it's and I mean, I need to play it. Yeah, and I mean, I look. I don't as much as I want this on Switch, and wish it already was. I don't blame Capcom in this case because look, the Wii U was a sales failure. It really is incumbent upon Nintendo to prove that the Switch is worth developing for. But here's the and they have. But here's the weird thing. And then yeah, you're right, they have. But here's the weird thing: Capcom's already developing that. You know, Street Fighter, Ultra Street Fighter. Yeah, that, there is that. So it is very strange. You, I could completely agree. You'd think Disney Afternoon on Switch would be a safer bet than yeah than Street Fighter. I, yeah, the the only thing I can surmise is that maybe the completely different people at Capcom were responsible for those decisions, or maybe Disney Afternoon Collection began development earlier. Maybe than Ultra Street Fighter Two. Yeah. So you know, it, it, at that case, in that case, if that's true, it would have began development at a time where nobody knew how the Switch would do, and, and we don't even know if they had a Switch development kit yet. So it's possible that Switch development just wasn't in the cards for when this project got going. Maybe. But now that the Switch is out and it, and it has proven that it has viability in the market, maybe Capcom will be open to putting it on Switch as well. 
maybe i hope so i mean because it, it it deserves that and you know as if more people can play these games the better because they are yeah like they're surprisingly good games and i've they are and i've actually never beaten darkwing duck because that game is freaking hard <laughs> It, it is. is. It, it is, is yeah. tough. Like I, when I saw the rewind feature, I was like, "Ooh, I can actually beat Darkwing Duck now." <laughs> you know, I actually yeah. have a chance because I, I beat Chip and Dale's. I beat Ducktales. Uh, right. I, I'm pretty sure I beat Tailspin. I don't have as many memories with that game as I did the others, but that's I think because yeah. it's more of a shooter. Um, but still, it's just it's it's really cool to experience. And there's so many other Capcom Disney games out there, uh, like the oh yeah the uh, based on the movies and. Uh, just ah, so good. <laughs> so well, well, yeah, and like, and not only do you have, I mean, not only do I associate these games with the NES, but just think about Chippendale. The fact that you have two Joy-Con with you at any at all times, and you mm-hmm. can get some co-op action going anytime. Like, it feels like it's built for the Switch, honestly. At least just by virtue of the fact that it includes Chippendale and Chippendale Two. Mm-hmm. So it just seems like it would be such a great fit. Although I have said before that I don't like the Joy-Con for two D games, <laughs> and you would be using them like that in that in that case. That so, is true. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it kind of sucks, but here's the thing: Chippendales is already hard in two-player. That is true. Have you ever tried yeah. it? Because that that game yes. is impossible. It's, to be it is really tough because yeah. you never work together. Mm-hmm. It, by the, I, I've had so many times where I've tried to work with a friend getting through it, and eventually one of us gets frustrated. We just start killing the other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, me same here. I totally get you. So, eh, oh well, but. I'm excited for it. I hope it does come to Switch. It does feel like a weird omission, but I am picking this game up so fast. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Yep. Well, the last bit of news is actually about Super Bomberman R, which has sold better in Japan than most of the series in the past 20 years. This thing is actually a sales success, which is actually really cool. Like That's great. I'm shocked, mm-hmm. to be honest. This is- I am utterly shocked that it sold that well at that price point. Yeah. Uh, it is the first time. To- is the first Bomberman game since 1998 to break 50,000 in sales in that region. So, wow, that's yeah. Hmm. Now it's a bit. Now uh, at the same time, 50,000 doesn't seem that impressive to me, even in one region. But at the uh, you know, on the other hand, if it's the first Bomberman title in 20 years to break that, then mm-hmm. that's great. You know, great for Bom- Bomberman R. But I just don't. Is 50,000 all that great though? Not really. But it's also yeah. A, uh, $50 game, not a downloadable like some of the other launch titles. Right. And uh, apparently, I mean, it, I mean, maybe this is why Bomberman disappeared for a little while. Who knows? Right. Uh, but Bomberman World was the last one to do that. And that was, again, 20 years ago on the PlayStation 1. And there yeah. have been 16 Bomberman games since then. Jeez. Uh, that did not uh, sell better than that, which is so insane to me. Because Bomberman's yeah, so I fun. Mean, yeah. I, like, Granted, I didn't pick them up myself, but it's just one of right. those things. Um, so it, it's great to see that it's doing so well, and hopefully, maybe other old Hudson games can come back and get some get a revival, or or at the very least, just get more Bomberman. Yeah, I mean, like I'm I'm one of those people who's on the fence. I as much as I love Bomberman and want to have it for parties, I just I don't. For what I played at various events, did not tell me it was worth fifty dollars. That said. As soon as it drops in price a bit, like to thirty, maybe thirty-five, even mm-hmm. I'm in. I'll, I'll pick it up. But I just fifty seemed like a bit much for something that seemed like it wasn't really optimized for the Switch. I, I can definitely see that, and I've seen a lot of people make that argument. I think that's going to have a lot yeah. of sales value, especially if it drops 
in price earlier rather than later like if it's if it's drops in price before other major games come out i think it has a real good shot of like having a second life once it sure now granted it might not be it might be in used sales that wouldn't help them much uh right or at all really but eh, we'll see exactly how it goes down but there, there are supporting it they actually just released an update today to fix some of the control controller latency issues both in single player and online so yeah and i heard about that which you know what hats off to konami i guess i'm surprised i even hear myself saying that it's just <laughs> weird that konami is in, is actively involved in any sort of game that we're talking about given everything that's well, happened with the company well, this has no connection to kojima or any of the other people that left that's so true too it's, like, eh, it's just okay. weird because it seemed like after they left that konami just kind of quit really <laughs> quit the yeah. game industry obviously they didn't but they seem so much more focused on uh pachinko and their bimani series that, which is primarily arcade-based, that it just seemed like they had kind of unofficially given up on console gaming. But, mm-hmm. hey, I'm glad that they're con- not only releasing Bomberman on Switch, but continuing to support it. Yeah, and hopefully this continues on, because apparently it's it's actually kind of hard to find out there. Because I guess they probably weren't expecting a huge sales success for this thing. So the unit there's probably not right, a yeah. lot of units out there for it. But, again, right. there's digital sales and all that. So uh, right. we'll see exactly what happens. But... Again, that's that's great to see that non-Zelda titles are selling well on the Switch, you know? No, totally. So I, I Capcom, I hope you're watching. I hope you're listening. We there we have another man that needs a new game <laughs> on Switch that uh, the Bomberman's already here. So balls in your court, Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump to our uh, topics. And as always, for just $1 a month, you guys can support us on Patreon in order to get these podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as all, as well as well offer up topics like the ones we have here. So, Ash, do you want to go first or should I? Uh, I guess I'll go first this week. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, okay, so my first topic, uh, this is a bit of a long one, comes from Ryan Cerventi, uh, who asks, uh, Hey, guys, thanks for all the great content throughout the years. Personally, I'm a huge fan of both video games and sports, with hockey being my favorite. However, aside from a couple of friends, most people that are gamers I meet tend to really dislike sports or don't understand the appeal of it. Why do you feel that seems to be the popular opinion, and do you guys have any have any interest in sports or a singular sport? Also, Derek, as a fellow <laughs> Pennsylvanian, do you and or your family follow Pittsburgh or Philadelphia sports? Just so you know, there is a right answer, which is the first one. <laughs> Thanks again, and keep up the great work. So... Thank you for your question, Ryan. Um, I, I thought this was a fun one because um, I think the connection between video games and, and sports, as you described it, is interesting because we see it a lot. And uh, yeah, but uh, well, Derek, do you want to answer his or your <laughs> your part of the question first? Yeah, I can do that. So um, I I, uh, I don't personally follow it. Uh, I don't think like my immediate family follows that stuff. But then my of course my sisters have gotten married and they're guys are into uh sports as well and i believe oh i'm trying to remember if they're into pittsburgh or philly i want to <laughs> say ah i i want to say pittsburgh i i'm not well, but apparently I'm not, they i'm not positive on that one but i think pittsburgh because i i mean I, who knows but i do know that philly fans are insane like i don't know if you've heard the stories uh, <laughs> i have Ash. i have heard well i've heard that that a lot of sports fans are oh, insane Philly's, so i don't know what makes philadelphia is a special kind of insane i don't know the really full context behind it anymore uh but at one point i think there was like some sort of halftime show or something going on uh where santa claus was on the field and doing something special 
in some way. I'm not exactly sure. Okay. Philly fans booed him. Wow. <laughs> they booed well, there you Santa go. Claus. Booing Santa Claus. Yeah. All right. It, it's, it's, it's a special kind of uh, devotion that Philly fans have. And I, I don't know the context behind that. I'm sure you could easily look it up. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting yeah. to say the least. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean – should I continue, or should you you want to t- take the other part of the question right now? <laughs> sure, I can I can I can take over. Sure. So uh, I don't know about you guys, but I love sports: Smash, Street Fighter Five, <laughs> you know, Mortal Kombat. No, no. Um, so yeah, in terms of traditional sports, I'm really not into them. Um, but one reason this this uh, question piqued my curiosity is because the one sport I do make an exception for actually is hockey. Um, I don't follow it, you know, religiously, but my dad is a big hockey fan. He grew up, um, he grew up in Michigan, so he's a big Detroit Red Wings fan. And I always grew up kind of watching him watch sport, uh, watch hockey games, uh, usually Red Wings hockey games, but also, um, LA, the LA Kings. And so I've kind of used that to become kind of, I guess, like a moderate or mild fan of hockey and mainly the Kings. Like, I'm not going to go watch ho- like a hockey game between two non LA teams, but you know, uh, the, the Kings won the Stanley Cup twice fairly recently, and I got caught up in the hype for that. You know, I don't go and watch all their games. I wouldn't even say I watch half of their games. But, you know, when, when I hear they're doing well, I get excited. I try to watch them in the playoffs when I can. It's it's kind of fun. I think there's a fluidity and a, and a fastness to hockey that I really like. Um, there's less stopping and starting in hockey than there is other sports, in my opinion. And I think that's what turns me off so many other sports is that there's just so much stopping and starting <laughs> and stopping. And I just, you know... Not only does that bore me, but I just don't care about sports in general. I don't understand the concept of rallying behind your school's football team, for example. Like, I never got into college yeah. sports. <laughs> I never – I just – I don't understand the passion and the, and the anger and the fervor that people tie to, the, to this stuff. And I'm not – I don't judge people at all. Like, if that's what you're into, go for it. Mm-hmm. But personally, sports doesn't do anything for me <laughs> other than hockey. Yeah, I I've, I've hear people talking about their fantasy leagues. I have ne- never understood yeah. how those work. I have no, me neither. No clue, but I'm like, well, yeah. okay, enjoy, <laughs> something like that. Because, yeah, I'm basically how you are. I did not – I don't – I'm not into sports. I played soccer when I was a kid, but I think every kid played soccer when they were young. Uh, yeah. They stopped at a certain point, and uh, I, you know, I, I don't know why – Gamers don't like it. Maybe, maybe, maybe if we want to go way back, because the thing is, I do know quite a few gamers who are really into sports and uh-huh. uh, are into the same thing. Or they, there is crossover appeal, but I think maybe core gamers who like get into Final Fantasy or the really mm-hmm. geeky stuff, maybe there's that whole backstory of maybe being picked on by the sports fans or not. I'm not saying that happened or anything, but that might be a source of the issue or at least that stereotype i don't know if it's a case or not didn't really happen to me so i can't say for sure um but the funny thing is is the sports i followed earlier because i don't follow sports really at all now i'll watch like i can enjoy watching the super bowl and finding you know and i can follow the sport and i know what's going on or i've Uh watched baseball games with friends i've watched uh one friend is really into uh the world cup and we had he had the World Cup one one time and I was watching it with him and so I was actually enjoying watching soccer because we he's uh, Bolivian so we were watching the uh, nice um, Spanish uh, I forget the the Spanish channel is um, Telemundo oh I, yeah Telemundo yeah okay. we were watching the Telemundo version because we had actually had access to it while we were on vacation and mm-hmm. it is night and day watching 
American commentators on soccer and oh, totally. Spanish because it's, it, it kind of seems like kind of lax, not much going on with uh, English. They are nonstop talking oh, yeah. in uh, in Spanish commentary, and it makes the game so much better. Like I have oh, no sure. idea what they're talking about, but the, you get caught up in that energy of the commentation. It's like, yeah, I could got to get into this and kind of stay entertained. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's fun to experience, but... The funny thing to me is that the sports that I watched when I was younger, and I don't, you know, I guess I don't watch them anymore, was NASCAR and professional <laughs> wrestling. Oh yeah, I had a lot of a lot of friends who were into pro wrestling when I was younger. Mm. My grandfather was really into it, and he got me into it. And I watched it for a while. I haven't watched it lately or anything like that. I. I, mm-hmm. I think I stopped after WCW went over, went under, and I was I, I was more of a WCW guy than a WWF, even though oh, okay. WWF is definitely the better one in retrospect. But right, right. But that's what my grandfather watched, so that's what I watched. So that's you know, nice. you don't think about that sort of thing. Um, and you know, I, I understand the terms and whatnot. And people were in, really into it, uh, but NASCAR is the funny one to me because you're going to talk about. Starting and stopping. Like, I, my family would actually go to uh, races, typically the ones at uh, the Dover Downs in Delaware, mm-hmm. because my grandparents had a uh, summer home down there that we could easily stay at and then just go to Dover and go to the race and, and experience that. And being there, it's like, man, it's so much better watching this on TV because you actually see what's going on because it's a, it's a smaller track compared to the really big ones. And I'd have a, like a radio headset on my, uh, to listen and listen to the radio as they're commenting over that because I can't tell who's in what position. I can't tell uh-huh. what's going on. The best I can hope for is a, is a wreck to see like, the carnage and whatnot and that's the thing that the best i can hope for is to see a wreck yeah exactly that's what the sad thing was and it gets so hot i get so bored eventually i just stopped going to those races um yeah but you know the other thing that happened to me of course that sort of waned my interest in it was the death of dale earnhardt and oh uh, uh because that was that was my guy i like many other people i was a huge fan because a lot of people will say like NASCAR is boring because it's just turning left all the time. There's not much passing. Dale Earnhardt made it interesting. He would pass. Sure. He would like he'd get like Mickey Squirrely on the right and then go around on the left and keep things going. People didn't like him because they, they didn't like his aggressive style and he'd often put him in the wall. But he was still yeah, yeah. super entertaining to watch. And yeah. uh, it was it was a you know I, I watched that race where he passed away and it was devastating to Jeez. see see that and have that happen because there's you know live on TV and uh, they definitely had a lot more safety regulations after that and I, I it definitely felt like there is less excitement people were being a little bit more cautious which is understandable but it really just killed my interest in it plus you know my sure. guy was no longer there and nobody was uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. everybody loves him he hasn't done crap as far as I know like he's yeah, a good yeah. he's a good guy uh, all that stuff but he definitely just was not able to capture the um, skill of his father so it's yeah it's, it is what it is but uh, I, you know, that's 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 the only sport I watch and it's NASCAR well you, you say you're not into sports but I think you've spent more time answering this question than I have <laughs> it's, it's funny isn't it <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's because um, I, I dabble. Say, well, yeah, but no. When you uh, mentioned soccer, it, um, I totally hear you. I actually was lucky enough to get um, before my game explain days. 
uh, I was lucky enough to get to go on a press trip uh, to cover Pro Evolution Soccer, I think 2014 or 2013, mm-hmm. and the press trip was in Sao Paulo. Ooh. So that Konami flew uh, like a, a small group of us press to Sao Paulo to cover this game, and as part of it, we got to go to a live soccer game at uh, the local stadium, and oh my god, it is as much as I'm not into sports, it was absolutely electrifying because i mean you know that is that is such an important part of their culture and i mean and when when a soccer game's happening like we were all walking over there as a group and like the streets were just alive mm. with just life and <laughs> and people you know kicking around soccer balls and then we got to the stadium and it was just deafening the the, the crowd screaming and, and we were given very very clear guidelines on what we could say and what we could not say because you know while standing in certain parts of the stadium because you know those fans get pretty intense oh, yeah. and you say the wrong thing and you know within earshot of the wrong people and you're going to piss off somebody <laughs> and so we were given a very clear list of things that we could not say uh in terms of supporting certain teams or not certain you know uh versus other teams and it was pretty pretty electric um and man soccer you know i i know soccer gets a bad rap here in america as being you know a quote-unquote pansy sport or whatever hell no it isn't those guys kick the crap out of each other they're so <laughs> soccer such a hard game uh-huh. it is you're, such a hard you're game constantly running yeah it, man i don't know yeah although I, 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 will, I guess there's that american football that bravado like oh you know this is you know football's more macho whatever soccer those guys <laughs> are so athletic mm. oh my god oh yeah and the the funny thing is although it is really funny where you know they'll try to do the fake injuries to get the other team in trouble <laughs> oh uh-huh uh totally which is really funny and and uh, but you were saying before that you um, maybe thought that the the kind of the stereotype of you know the, the nerds getting picked on by the sports jocks might have something to do with you know the lack of crossover. But I'll go ahead and say I absolutely think that's part of it. Not that I think all sports fans are jocks who would do that, but in my own experience, you know, as a kid in, in school, I was absolutely the nerd who was picked on by all the sports jocks, and that kind of created in me an intrinsic hate of sports mm-hmm. like well if that is what those people like and they're being mean to me then well i'm not going to get into that i'm going to double down and get into my own thing and not even think about getting into <laughs> sports you know I, I did so i totally think that's part of it i did take a little bit of a pleasure to see that our that my high school's band was much more respected than the football team <laughs> that's awesome nice so yeah that's what i think i mean i think there is a, a bit of that stereotype you know I, i'm things may be getting better now and I, I absolutely would not say that it applies to every everyone who's a sports fan but i think there is that kind of that that pattern of sports jocks picking on the video game loving nerds in school and mm-hmm. i think there's something to do i think that definitely has had a an impact on why gamers and and sports fans don't cross over as much it could be but you know they're, they're bonding over their sports games or something like that that's true it's, who knows yeah. I, I like i said i've seen a lot of games fans that are sports uh, that are also sports fans so it's definitely not all applied but right yeah <laughs> well anyway so yeah yeah let's go ahead i'll do one of my topics uh this one comes from sbo and he says Excuse me. Uh, hey guys, does the location and time in which you uh, in which you game ever spoil or heighten your experience? For example, I remember my most epic gaming memories usually happen late uh, late at night, such as beating Baby Bowser in Yoshi's Island in a dark room with that eerie music, or continu- or continuing to plow through the final hours of Kingdom Hearts at four Kingdom Hearts Two at four a.m., making the experience even greater. 
Ones that were spoiled for me, for example, was Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, which I played on the bus every day on my way to work in midsummer, which really spoiled the atmosphere of the game for, uh, for me. Keep up the awesome work, guys. So, thank you very much, and I, I think you're on to something where time and place can totally change up stuff. Like, I have a policy where I do not play horror games at during the day. I want that atmosphere. Uh-huh. I want that night. And fortunately, when I was uh, still living with my parents, I had a uh, my bedroom was in the basement, and there was no windows, so I could play any time I wanted. <laughs> it was always going to be dark uh, if nice. I just turned off the light and uh, could uh, in, uh, experience that. But um, it was. It, I do think that kind of has an uh, effect where I, I can't think of any specific memories other than my late night going through Uncharted 4 to finally finish it and uh, experience all that. But I think the late night uh, gaming sessions stand out more because usually you start at an earlier time and you get so sucked into the game that you look up and it's like, oh God, it's 3 a.m. When that happened. Mm -hmm. And that's why they kind of stick out to you more because, you know, that's, you're just so involved in the game, and uh, I, I think that does help. Conversely, though, there is something really nice about having a nice sunny day and playing uh, something like Splatoon or Mario Sunshine or just any Mario game. Yeah. No, I like it's funny. I almost like had to make sure that I didn't go back and somehow, in a weird twist of time wrinkles, write this question myself because it <laughs> sounds like you sound like me, Espio. I one hundred percent think the setting and the time of day and overall, you know, all that stuff matters when you're playing a game. Some people don't, and that's fine. But for example, if I know that I'm coming up to a big pivotal moment in a, in a game, or I'm gonna, you know, I know that I'm up to the final hours and I'm going to set aside time to finish a, a big game. I 100% will do it when I know I'm not going to have distractions, mm-hmm. when it's dark out, with later at night. It mean, it makes so much of a difference to me. Like Bravely Second, for, for example, that was my favorite game of last year. And I had to put off beating it for like two days because I, I, had, I just had a couple of days where I was super busy. And the only time I had to play games was during the day and with other people talking to me. And no, I'm not going to do that. Bravely Second is like this big, you know, it's a huge RPG, cool story. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to play something that requires my attention if other people are trying to divert my attention. Mm-hmm. So I usually, you know, if I'm going to be playing something around other people, it's going to be something like, as you said, Splatoon or, you know, Smash even, if, you know, of course I'm not playing seriously, mm-hmm. or just something that isn't, that doesn't depend on atmosphere. But if I'm going to play like Final Fantasy 15 or, uh, you know, Silent Hill or whatever that really depends on atmosphere and is really story heavy, you can bet I'm going to put my headphones on, <laughs> I'm going to wait until everyone else is asleep, I'm going to wait, you know, until it's whatever. But I 100% believe that when and where you play a game can affect your experience mm. of it. I... I... I agree with that because a lot of times I'll I'll miss out. I feel like I'll miss out on something if I'm like if I want to enjoy my game a game on my own and uh, want to get the full experience. So like if I did a game and watch of it or if I did a stream of it to yeah. show it off, I'll often restart the game completely and replay what I did on the stream or in or with a game and watch just to experience that in its purest sense so I get a real a better sense and I can pay more attention because it just right. does it enhances the experience because I'm able to divert all of my attention to what's going on in the screen and you know I recently happened with Blaster Master Zero when I did Game & Watch I had a lot of trouble keeping my gun yeah. up to the uh, to the max level uh, or even getting to the max level because uh, I kept taking 
pot shots on the spikes and being a, being an idiot. But then I played <laughs> on my own, was able to focus, got to that, yeah. got to one of the bosses with the full gun and utterly decimated it, it with no problem. So it's like you know, right. two completely different experiences in my mind and. I, it is funny how the, just the atmosphere can really change depending on the game you play. Like some I can play anytime, no big deal, but others really does enhance when you're whenever you're playing it. Yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, for me, it, it sometimes reaches this extreme point where it hamstrings my ability to make progress in games as fast as I would like because straight up, I almost will never play any game if I can't hear the music. Uh, I will not play a game on mute, like period. Now, there are certain games I will. Like if I'm... You know, if I'm grinding in an RPG and I'm just getting levels, that's one thing. Or if I'm maybe if I'm playing something that I, I you know I know the music or I you know I know what it's already like, fine. But chances are, if I'm playing a game for the first time or I just you know want to have a nice gaming session, even on my 3DS or something or my Switch, I will not do it if I a can't use headphones or b am in an environment where headphones wouldn't even matter. I just for me losing sound and music just <laughs> cuts so much of a gaming experience for me that I don't like playing games on mute. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of times I'll, I'll be doing a stream and. People will be talking about how good the music is, and yeah. I have it lower, so it's hard for me to tell a lot of the times. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I've been trying to raise my own volume up a little bit to sort of push that, so I can actually <laughs> hear it a little better and uh, uh, experience it that way. So eh, I can totally get what you're saying. But yeah, whenever I stream a game that's like that, I'll always, like you said, I'll go back and play it by myself, so I can really, you know, take in the the just the music and just the overall atmosphere like even something like blaster master zero you know i love chiptune most people would probably be okay playing that on mute but for me i love retro game music especially so i'm not simply not going to play a game like that when i can't hear the music that's part that just comes part and parcel with the experience for me you cannot separate the two (laughs) yeah exactly so yeah so i totally hear you spo i'm right there (laughs) yeah definitely so what's your other topic so my uh, other topic is uh, much shorter, very direct. It comes from Greg A., who asks, uh, what's your most anticipated indie title currently on or coming to the Switch? Um, so I thought that was a particularly apt question mm-hmm. since we're talking about Switch indie games already. Um, so before this, it obviously would have been Shovel Knight, Spectre of Torment, Fast RMX would have been there, up there. Those games are out now. So for me, the biggest deal indie game coming to the Switch that I'm excited about was just announced actually at the Indie Showcase, and that is Runner 3. I am so hyped for <laughs> Runner 3, and I don't know if you've played, Greg, I don't know if you played Runner 2 on Wii U, I think it's on Wii U, PS4, and Xbox One at this point, and Steam, of course, but if you like rhythm games at all, and you also like platformers and runners, it's such a good game. It's basically like an, en- it's not really an endless runner, it's an automatic runner that uses music to enhance the experience, and it's kind of hard to explain, but... Runner 2 was amazing, and it also the, the announcer, the narrator for Runner 2 and Runner 3 is Charles Martinet, who is the voice of Mario. So you've got it kind of got that cool Nintendo connection too. That series is so great. Like the Bit Trip series period is great, but Runner specifically is something I love. And if you haven't tried Runner 2, go try it. I think it's awesome. And if you like it, then Runner 3 is a Nintendo Switch exclusive and it's coming out in the next few months. So that is my Pretty pretty easy answer, I think. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I know you're a big fan of that, so that's <clears throat> such a great series. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, for me, I you know I don't focus too much on indies. Like I I, I played quite a bit of here and there, uh, and definitely a lot more re- uh, recently because of the Switch. Um, but for stuff that's coming out, the one that's caught my attention the most is definitely uh, Wargroove, and oh yeah, that's the one that's <clears throat> kind of looks like a combination, like it's a uh, medieval. Advance Wars, almost, and yeah. it, like it's supposed to screen everything. And I haven't even played a lot of Advance Wars, but I love that visual style. I love how it's been enhanced, and it's, it really does feel like a new Advance Wars is coming. And I have the I have a really good feeling about that. I hope it's I hope it really hits the mark and is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so that's the one that really caught my eye. But uh, as far as something new, but of course, there's also the old standby of I'm also really looking forward to ukulele. And that is indie. Oh yeah, uh, because yeah, that is indie technically. Yeah. yeah, I was watching your uh, your uh, gameplay and I'm like, God, I need to play this game. <laughs> Just uh, it's wait. it's fun, man. Yeah. Although, yeah, I guess it is coming to Switch. So of course, it's I'm gonna probably Later. play it on something other than Switch first. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I'm definitely looking forward to both those games, and I think they're gonna be a lot of fun. Nice. Well, I guess I'll just name drop a couple of games I saw also at the Indie Showcase that I attended a couple of weeks ago um, that you can just Google and Google and see if they appeal to you. But uh, Graceful Explosion Machine uh, is looking really cool to me. It's kind of like a horizontal shooter um, that has some really cool like Art Deco style graphics. Um, really, really love what I played of it, and I believe that comes out on a- in April on Switch. And I think it is a Switch console exclusive, if I remember I correctly. I think so. Yeah, so there's that. I was really impressed by that. And also uh, Celeste, which I don't know the release date for that. I think it's a few months off still. But it's uh, it's a pretty, it's a cool, like, it's a puzzle platformer with emphasis on the on the platforming and not the puzzle part, uh, which is key for me. But it's got a cool look to it. And, um, yeah, I, I would recommend checking out Celeste and Graceful Explosion Machine. And if they appeal to you, keep an eye out for them coming to the Switch later this year. Mm-hmm. I, I'd agree with that. Both sound good. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, well, my uh, last, uh, my other question actually comes from uh, Felix Close or Kloss. I'm not sure which, because it is spelled with a K. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. He says, uh, I am enjoying my Switch and, of course, Breath of the Wild a lot. Uh, as is the nature of that game, I get awfully sidetracked constantly. <laughs> I try to set uh-huh. markers and even started to write to do lists to tick during, uh, to tick off during my next session. Going after towers is so tempting as they kind of stare at you from afar, but the problem for me is then I uncover a whole new area that even <laughs> takes more of my focus. Uh, my question is, how do you deal with getting sidetracked, and what is your general strategy in trying to comb through the landscape for sequence in an effective ma- uh, manner? So, obviously this appealed to me, and we've already talked about this a little bit, so I don't want to get too in-depth on it, because we kind of we kind of mentioned right. this a bit already. Um but specifically in what I did, my tactic is once I got off the plateau, and I actually spent quite a bit of time on the plateau looking for the secrets and anything <laughs> else that they could find and uh-huh. uh, you know, just discovering stuff, uh, I went to the next area, and that ended up being, um, uh, of course, towards Kakariko and uh, all that. Uh, I think it's like the West Nakluta region uh, is what it's officially mm-hmm. called. And I was just basically following the path to Kakariko, but I was also like, oh, there's ruins over here. Let me check these real quick. Okay, like I found some cool stuff. Cool stuff. Okay, let's keep going. And uh, let's get to uh, – I just kept working my way over to that first tower. Activated the tower, 
saw basically what it all was, and then I rebounded on what I had already done going along the edges of that region to just fully uh-huh. check out everything that it had to offer and keep working my way to Kakariko. And that's basically been my strategy ever since is I just go from region to region and try to explore as much of that region as I can before I move on to the next. And that's why I've actually, like, I, I'm with you right there, uh, Felix. I really want to activate these towers to fill in more of the map. But the thing that kind of gets to me is that the map connects once you fill them in. And it's really mm-hmm. hard to tell which one region from the next. So it's actually kind That's of tough for point. me to realize what have I already done unless I really mm-hmm. paid attention to certain things. So it's been challenging because I want to, of course, keep moving on and seeing the next thing. But also uh, just trying to explore and see all this other stuff. So... Uh, that that's my basic strategy of like I'm constantly getting sidetracked. Like I said, I've not made much progress on the main story at all. Just two two of them. But I've also, uh, from what I can tell, because I tweeted tweeted out my progress to people, was I've also found a lot more than most other people when it comes to shrines and Korok seeds mm-hmm. for as far as I am because I've just been that much more thorough and like you I also like hmm like uh, the one that's get, getting to me most is like you'll see those uh sort of windmill type things those little like wind uh toys that mark oh, uh-huh. that mark the Koroks and usually you can bring up like a shooting gallery and I've gone to I've seen a couple that are different colors and I'll go up to it and None of those targets activate, and I'm like, "What am I doing wrong here?" Like, I'm not, I'm not. Huh. I like, I'll tr- bring up different like types of arrows. Maybe thinking, maybe I need that type or something. But I still yet to see anything activate, and it's. I'm curious. I, I keep thinking, all right, I'll come back to it once I mark. I'll mark those. And be like, okay, once I figure out what the heck I need to do here, I'll come back and actually get those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. it's that's basically been my method of getting through Breath of the Wild, and I'll be like, okay, what's the next connecting area? Let's do that. And that's how I right. went from uh, West Nakluda to East Nakluda, and then started working my way north because uh, I'd also uh, come across a few um, a few uh, Zoras uh, telling me to go to Zora's domain because I, right. at first I had the shrine sensor off. And I was going in blind, so I wasn't using the, sh- the, the the shrine sensor at all. But so many people were telling me that no, no, it's trust me, you want to have it on. And I, I've yeah, still, I think so. <laughs> I've still found most shrines without that without the help. Like I'll see it before they actually it actually indicates me to me. I think there's been like five that I haven't seen myself oh, okay. before it indicates. But yeah, I'll see something off in the distance in a shrine. I'm like, uh, it's out of my region, but I'll go activate that quick and then go back because I want those uh, spirit orbs. <laughs> so right, yeah, right. So that's how I encountered Zoras before I actually got to the Zora area. So once I finished off Hateno, I was like, all right, I'll go to the Zora area next and I'll just work my way in this pattern or whatever. So, Right. Well, I, my answer is probably going to be a lot shorter than yours mm. because I frankly don't have a strategy. <laughs> like, as, as much as I love this game, like my, my only overall strategy has been to try to activate all the towers before I get really into the story only because I like having... As big as the world is, I like having a kind of general sense for for the world itself and where everything, how everything is laid out, mm-hmm. where everything is. Just kind of, I like having my bearings and, and like knowing where I am in relation to other things. So I figured I would explore first. But really, that's been my only overall, I guess, guiding principle. I, I suppose the only other one would be that as I'm exploring, if I see or hear a shrine, that's my, my priority number one. Like anytime I'm, I'm within range of a shrine, like a new shrine that I just discovered... 
that becomes priority number one because I want to get those spirit orbs because I want more health and eventually stamina. So that's kind of, I guess, are, are, are my two overall guiding principles. But otherwise, like, this game and games like it just make me, they give me so much anxiety because there's, <laughs> there's so many things to do at any given time. And I don't know how to pick a, a direction to go in and just say, okay, I'm going to do that and I'm not going to get distracted by anything else. Because, like, Felix, you described it in your question perfectly. Like, I'll go after something and then like at least five other things will present themselves to me along the way that look pretty interesting or what's that landmass or that looks like a crop circle <laughs> or you know what's that cool thing over there or that mountain looks interesting and it's like uh, uh, before I had to uh, like so many times I would drop what I was doing because it would be nighttime and so on certain nights I don't know like what the prerequisites are but there's like a light that'll shine over the horizon of a specific mountain and I really wanted to know what it was so so many times I would drop what I was doing to try to get as close as I could to that light and eventually I got there and I found out what it was well I don't I didn't find out because it just confused me but <laughs> it's like there are always so many things that can just divert your attention away from your current objective and I have not figured out a good way to deal with that mm -hmm. so honestly I don't have strategy I just kind of I just try to keep having fun and if I get tired of doing something then I'll go do something else but I don't have a way to kind of like <laughs> categorize what I've done versus what I haven't done. And I think I've just kind of like allowed allowed myself to just warm up to the idea that no matter what, I'm, I, I should just explore what I can and try to find what I can and have the cool experiences that I can. Because eventually, if I ever, let's say, want to do all the shrines, I'm going to use a guide. I'm going to have to. <laughs> I don't have the time to go explore this world for everything that it has without using a guide. Mm. So I figured I'll just I'll do all the cool things I can and have all the cool experiences I can before I get to that point, you know, post game. And then later on, if I want to use a guide to find all the shrines, I will. But I'm just trying to remind myself that I don't need to do and see it all immediately. You know, I can always come back and do things later. It's not going anywhere. I'm just trying not to let myself get overwhelmed. Hmm. I'm, I'm trying. You know, I, I think I've done a pretty good job of not being overwhelmed. It's just keep a track of like, oh, yeah, this quest had me do this. Or this quest has yeah. me do that. i got to make sure to do this. Like certain things do plot out my route. Like uh, I found a quest where um, I need um, – um, I don't want to get too into specifics for spoiler, for fear of spoilers for you because it's more gameplay spoilers than anything else. But, again, stuff that you, you'll likely experience eventually, maybe. Um, and – Basically, uh, I'm gathering different people to help with a project, and the first one uh, had me get a Goron, and by the time I found it, was I already completed Zora's, I was already planning to go to um, Mount uh, Death Mountain in order to do that next set of, set of quests. I was like, oh, cool, that's perfect, and I just did that and came back and continued on, and then eventually I got my next person I was supposed to gather, who was actually a Gerudo, and I'm like crap i was planning to start like basically going to counterclockwise motion <laughs> and go to the rito next but now that they want this garuda i'm like all right guess we're going back around and now i'm going to go yeah. south of uh, hateno because i never went south of that and work my way towards the garuda and then i'll work myself up to the rito and do it that uh -huh. way so it's like th that did completely change my outlook because i wanted to get through this quest and and in my mind, it's like, ah, it's no harm to go this one first over this one since it is completely open. And right. that's kind of how it's dictated me a little bit because, again, I try to stay focused or try to remember what's going on. The only time I I wanted to get distracted, but I was like, I was in the middle of a story quest and it was following along and I see in the distance one of those meteor, meteorites coming down. 
and crashing. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I so want to abandon this story quest and go yeah. there, but I'm in the middle of an actual story quest, stuff going yeah. down, and I cannot leave. So I'm like, another time. <laughs> another time. And I've had those too. I, I've seen those those stars or the meteorites fall, and I've never been able to get to one of those shafts of light be, just find out what you get from them. Mm. I, I assume it's just like nice I, material or whatever, I, but yeah. Yeah, I found out what you get from them, not because of uh, somebody gave me something that I'm pretty sure is what you get from them at, in the end, but it's uh-huh. uh, still, you know, cool. It'd be kind of cool to just go to that place and see the crash site and see what actually it looks like, that kind of thing. Uh, no, that was actually when I was describing that, uh, you know, when I was trying to get to that light over that one mountain peak, mm-hmm. I, in my frantic, you know, desperation to get there before it disappeared, I passed up two shooting star oh. landing sites. <laughs> that, so I've seen them and I, and I know what they look like, but I've just, you know, I've always been had something else that I want to do first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen those shafts of light too, but I've never gone to them because I always, I, I didn't know what they were and I thought they might be like story indicators or something like that. So I was like, oh, I'll go somewhere mm-hmm. else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... It is really funny just talking to different people and seeing all the different ways people approach this game. And I think that's been a lot of the fun just because it does just facilitate those stories so much. No, it does. I mean, it really does seem like people, you know, everyone has a completely different account of their adventures in this world. And I love that. I mean, I think this is a game that, that, that people will be talking about for years to come. I don't know if it'll be as, as ultimately as, you know... Uh, just widely loved like Ocarina of Time like I feel like it might be a little more divisive among certain people but I still think that despite that people are going to be talking about this game as just the fact that there's nothing else like it I, th- I think people are going to be talking about this game for years to come mm-hmm. I agree with that it, it makes perfect sense and you know people are definitely getting invested in characters situations things you can do the ways you can play it's like there's a little something for each type of person you know yeah so yeah so thank you for that question uh felix and uh that's all of our topics for this week so yeah thank you guys so much for joining us for episode 52 of the game explain real talk podcast we've now have officially a year of podcasts under our belt that's true we do <laughs> so that's pretty cool um but yeah, with all that's uh, I'm trying to think. There's not really much else to say. But as always, thank you guys for uh, listening and for just one dollar a month, you guys can support us on Patreon and get these podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as offer up the topics like the ones we had here. As always, you guys know the drill by now. I'm most of you, most of you do at least. So with all that, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week for episode 53, and you guys take care. Bye. <laughs>